you have a Bible, join me in Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. Let's get into the Word of God this morning. And as you turn there, let's pray. Father, we just take this day and thank you for the great spirit that's been in this place already and in our hearts through faith. Father, we know it is not about a man, a church, or denomination. It's not about a program. It's not about a ministry. It is all about Jesus. Well, that we have all fallen short of the glory of God, that there is all of us like sheep have gone astray after our own ways. But to you, O oh Lord, be the glory. God, it is all about what you can do in and through us. God, that you have loved us. You've spoken that love and you've demonstrated it, Lord, through your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we press pause, Father, to receive a word from you today. Not a word from man, but a word from your spirit. And everybody said, amen. Amen. I want to talk to you about a word for the weary uh, today in Isaiah chapter 50. Part of our series about the promises of God in the book of Isaiah for the church of today. Uh, the Proverbs verse, uh, chapter 15 verse 23 says, a, How delightful is a timely word. Uh, have you ever had one of those days where... Man, someone does something nice for you or says something nice about you or gives you a card in the mail. You're like, man, I really needed that word. Maybe they post it on your Facebook news feed or send you a message. Man, I just appreciate you. Or maybe your significant other sent you flowers randomly. And you're like, man, somebody thought about me. Isn't that always a good feeling that, man, I needed that word today? Well, uh, when I was starting ministry, I was nervous about teaching. I, I hadn't taught very much. In fact, I have never preached, never thought about going to the ministry in my life. And so I come on staff of this church and I start teaching the senior adult Bible study. Now granted, I am like 22, 23, teaching people who have been in the faith for years. There's about 50 of them. And we're on a Wednesday night and this glorious, wonderful young couple comes up to me at the end of my teaching and says, Hey, smiles, we have always been told, never trust a pastor without gray hair. And I'm, I'm look at them and I'm like, okay, Nate, thank you. And you don't know what to put this like, thank you for that insult. I don't know what to say. I don't, don't trust a pastor. I don't have gray hair. I don't, don't trust me. I don't know. But they begin to smile and embrace me and shake their heads like this is the greatest compliment in the world. And I quickly got it. What they were trying to say was, never trust a pastor. We've been told, never trust a pastor without gray hair, but you don't have gray hair and we trust you. And I'm like, ah, I think I got it. But had it not been for the demonstration, their act of an embrace and a smile, their words would have fallen fairly short, uh, I promise you. And how many know words sometimes do fall short? Sometimes it's not just about what a person says, but what a person does, right? Someone can say they love you, but if your spouse always said I loved you, but never held your hand, didn't care if you were in the car or not before they left, right? Husbands, okay? Uh, what you say has to match what you do. And sometimes words fall short. We don't always get the message if we don't have the mode. We don't always get the sayings if we don't always have the doing, right? Uh, and First John, it even says, my little children, let us not just uh, love in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth, right? It's just you, what you say you have to do. And so if I love you, I should show you I love. Somebody say amen. amen. All right? But uh, everybody wants that friend 
that not only rejoices with you when you rejoice, but weeps with you when you weep. It's going to matter to me that you were there on the day that I'm weeping as much as it is when I'm rejoicing. How many people have a friend like that, right? Everyone gets weary at some point in this journey called life. In fact, the Bible looks at the world stage that we're in now, and it's always a stage of weariness. You are going to go through things in life that are going to bring you up and down, but according to the glory of heaven and compared to the riches of what He has in store up there, this whole world is a weary place to live. How many know that? It's a weary place. Look around the news. It's 2020, y'all. I don't have to talk to you about being weary and worn out. Man, it's a weary place to live. And I love what one author says about weariness. He says, we're all pilgrims of weary time. And some of us are weary even of prosperity. Some of us are worn out with work. Some of us are battered all but to exhaustion by sorrow. And all of us long for rest, though many of us do not know where to look for it. Thank God Jesus knew how to sustain the weary with a word. But he didn't just say it. He demonstrated it. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Jesus didn't just say he loved us, but he died for us, even death on a cross. Look in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. What is the word your soul is needing from God today? Jesus proved his love for us by his word and his work. But sometimes we don't get that word because we haven't come to the place to see how much he loves us. Just like I didn't get what they were saying until I saw what they were doing. Sometimes we don't get what God is saying for us and about us until we really understand what he's done for us. Are you with me this morning? Let me give you the background. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. A wearied word, okay? Let's go back in time into the day of the divided kingdom, the day after Solomon, King Solomon reigned in the Old Testament and his son uh, Rehoboam had lost the kingdom and the kingdom divided. You had Israel in the north, Judah in the south, and these two kingdoms never had any good sense. They began to follow their own desires and go after the other nations and God sent them into exile. And the prophet Isaiah was raised up in the day of Daniel and the lion's den, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the day of Nebuchadnezzar, all right? That, that day, if you remember those Bible stories. And Isaiah is speaking to a people in exile who are wearied, who are worn out, a remnant of people who long to get back to the promised land of God, but they can't believe any of the good things the prophet Isaiah is saying. In fact, they say, surely God has left us. Surely God God is not coming back for us. God has divorced us. He has cut us off. And Isaiah begins to prophesy something so powerful and so profound, so very important in these next few verses. He begins to prophesy about the, com the conversation that not only God would have for them in that day, but for all days. The conversation that God and Jesus would begin to have about a wearied and worn out people for every age and every time who had been cast off into exile into his, from his presence, but that he would provide a way to bring them back to the promised land of his presence. Amen. So let's look in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 4. God tells his servant, his Messiah, his son, Son, I need you to go down to a weary people, and I need you to give them a word. All right? Look with me in Isaiah 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples. This is Isaiah saying this, but it's Jesus who's really saying it to his father. 
The Lord God has given me the tongue of the disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with the word. Everybody say a word. A weary one with a word. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who strike me, my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I am not disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint. And I know that I'll not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let's stand up together. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Who is among you that fears the Lord? And here's the word. That obeys the voice of his servant. That walks in darkness and has no light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. And all God's people said, Amen. I want to talk to you about what Jesus said and what he did, because that's most important. What he said and what he did. Jesus is up there in heaven with his Father, and his Father looks down and says, Son, I have tried to tell these people who are wearied and worn out all across the earth from every nation, every tribe and tongue for all days and time, that I have provided a way of escape. But they do not understand my word. All like sheep are going like astray. None are turning. They're all going to their own ways. They've disregarded all the words I've spoken since Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way back to uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. They're not listening to Moses. They're not listening to the prophets. Son, they're weary. Will you go down and give them a word? And Jesus says, yes, Father, I'll go. And if you go back in the New Testament, as Jesus steps on the scene, you know what they begin to say about this guy? They said, this is someone who's been with God. This is, can you imagine his teaching? They said, this guy doesn't teach like men, like the Pharisees and scribes. This guy talks with authority and power. When he speaks, man, even demons flee. When he speaks, people begin to raise from the dead. This guy, he speaks and light comes into blinded eyes and deaf ears are open. This guy speaks like someone who has something to say from heaven. And so he says, the, the Lord has given me the tongue of a disciple as a learner of God. And he began to speak. He said, repent and believe in the good news. What's that good news? He said, this good news is the day of salvation has come. As this princely king began to speak, he began to give that love message from God that today's the day of salvation. If you are lost and undone, there is identity in, fa- in the Father. If you are under a prison of chains, of regret, of sin and shame, under the dominion of Satan, today's the day of freedom. Today's the day of salvation. He began to declare that God's kingdom has come, that the authority and power of God has come to take back Satan's dominion over hell and sin and death. And that is the good news of the gospel. Somebody say, Amen. Man, he said, this is what I'm proclaiming. And he began to say something even more powerful that relates to us in this chapter. He says in Matthew chapter 11, do you remember this very popular verse that we all quote so very often? He says what? Come to me, all who are what? Weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? Rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden 
is light. He says, The Lord God has given me the tongue of a disciple to know how to sustain the weary with a word. And that's exactly what he did. When he come, came down in uh, the first century, Jesus begins to come. He says, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. You think about what one word from Jesus can do in a person's life who is weary and ready for the rest in the promises of God. I think about the woman uh, at the well, the Samaritan woman. You remember this woman in John chapter 5 that she had gone through adulterous affair and adulterous affair from husband to husband. She was a Samaritan woman who had had a false religion and she finds herself in the midday at a well not going to the water when other ladies went. She was an outcast. Even of her own people, she was an outcast in a false religion. And she's been looking for life and love in all the wrong places and Jesus comes and what does he say to her? He comes as a Jewish male in the middle of the day and he is wearied in the flesh. The Bible says that he himself needed a drink. Jesus was wearied. And he comes, though, to a wearied woman. And what does he say to her? He says, woman, hey, you have been looking for all these things. You've been looking for religion in this place. You've been looking for relationship in this place. But if you want a real drink, you need to have a drink of the living water that only I can provide. You need to have a relationship with me. If you want that identity and, and that relationship with God, it only comes through me, through the Holy Spirit. And it was in one word, simply drink. This woman's life was changed. That word went to the depths of her soul. She immediately left her water pot, her source, her supply, her means of getting sustenance in her life. And she went back to her town. And the Bible says that she told everyone, she said, come see a man who's told me all that I've ever did. And it wasn't in shame or condemnation nation, but what is in purpose and identity, because Jesus gave her a word. When's the last time God gave you a word that not just, oh, that was a pastor preaching or a good meme to share on Facebook, but something that went to the depths of your soul and changed you because of one word from Jesus? You see, he came to that well wearied, but the wearied one was not him, it was her. He became wearied to give us a word. But you might say, well, Pastor, I don't really get it. I don't understand. Think about all the people in the world who have heard a verse of God, who've heard that very verse, who've heard about Jesus and say, well, I don't, I don't know if I believe it. I don't know if it really affects me or how can how do you know that God is for me how how can it be that this would impact my life does it really change anything we we try to continue to fight for our marriages on our own we continue to try to make ends meet with the next best job and the next best relationship and we do all the things that we think we know to do to find life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness in a country that seems to promise that we can do it for ourselves amen how can it be surely I don't know Jesus said, if you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, the words that I say, I don't speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me is doing this work. He says, you can believe the words, but also believe the works. That's what he said. Now let's look at what he did. Look at the next verse in Isaiah chapter 50. He says, I gave my back to those who strike me and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting. You ever get weary of saying something over and over to a person? You say, finally, you're trying to explain to your kids how to do something. 
or to a person at work. You just hold on, just let me just show you. Let me show you how to do this. I'm telling you, but we're not speaking the same English or something. You know, we're not getting the wavelengths are crossed here. I'm not explaining it well, or you're not hearing it well. Let me just show you. And Jesus began to say these things, but he didn't just say it, he showed it. He says to his father, I will go. Hebrews chapter 10, you can turn there and look at this. He begins to tell about even more about this conversation he had with his dad. Hebrews says it this way. He says, Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offering you've not desired, but a body you've prepared for me, and whole and burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin you've taken no pleasure in. And then I said, this is Jesus, he says, Behold, Father, I have come in the scroll of the book it has been written about me to do your will, O God. What did Jesus do in the garden there that day? Father, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus says, Father, I will go down to a wearied people and I will be wearied for them. The Bible says he became obedient to suffering, even suffering and death, even death on a cross. In that verse he says, and I didn't shrink back to do my Father's will. Instead, I gave my back to them. Look what he says in, the, in Mark chapter 15. He says, they dressed him in a purple robe and after twisting crowns of thorns, they put it on him. They begin to acclaim, Hail, King of the Jews. They kept beating his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling and bowing down, mocking him. And after they had mocked him, they took off the purple robe, put his own garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him. And I did not shrink back from doing my Father's will. Fa Son, will you go? These wearied people are not listening. They're not hearing me. They don't understand how much I love them. Will you go, son, and be wearied for them so that you can give a wearied people a word and get down on their level so they'll know that I care about them, that I love them, that it's not just I'm loving them in word and in tongue, but I'm loving them in deed and in truth. I'm not just saying I love them. I'm demonstrating. And he says, yes, Father, I'll go and I'll not shrink back. Instead, I will let them spit on me. I'll let them curse me. I'll let them pluck out my beard. I'll let them put a crown of thorns on my head and I will go even to the bit of death for you, Father, so that they will know you love them. Do you have that, God? Is he good? We naturally shrink back from pain and suffering, but Jesus shows us a better way. He shows us what obedience looks like. He shows us how to have faith in God's perfect will even when it don't feel good how to take up our cross and follow him. He shows us the way. He's telling us what God is saying, how to find rest for your souls. He says, I'll be obedient to the point of death so they'll know that God, to find your love, they'll have to be obedient to the point of death. Next up, and look at the next verse. He says, he would have perseverance in tribulation. Has anybody ever humiliated you? No doubt every person in this room, we've all been humiliated by sin. And shame. Sin, if no one's ever made fun of you, sin has made fun of you. It's shamed you. It's mocked you. It's told you your condition, that you're not good enough, that you're never going to make it, that you need to compare yourself to other people. And he says that he was innocent of all sin. Yet on that night, they found false witness against him to mock him, to accuse him, to lie in him. They plucked out his beard, and that was in, in ancient times, to pluck out a Jewish man's beard was an act of humiliation, utter disgrace, utter disgrace. And then they made him naked, and they nailed him to a cross. And here is this divine being, the one who has been wrapped in robes of righteousness, who the train of his robe fills the temple, whom angels fail to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he takes all 
all of His divine glory, He sets it aside, Paul says, that He came down to suffer as a servant of mankind. And He put on veiled flesh, mere humanity, and took our pain and our suffering and our sin, and He nailed it to a cross so that you might have a word. He traded His glory for shame, but He said, you know what? Therefore, I'm not disgraced. I've set my face like flint, and I know that I'll not be ashamed. You know, that morning time with Jesus, no doubt, was his strength. He comes to show us that God is for us and not as against us, that God can be our defense, that God can be our rested, uh, ret- our retribution is in God, our justice is in God, our revenge doesn't have to be in our own hands, but it's in God. He says, I am showing them the word, Father. Oh, you've told them how to do it, how to turn the other cheek. You've told them, Lord, how to give it over to you. But God, I'm going to show them that even me, God, I'll do it. I'll be like them. I'll be falsely accused for those who've been falsely accused. I'll be condemned for those who've been condemned. I'll be taking on shame for those who've taken on shame. I'll be abandoned for those who've been abandoned. God, I'll feel alone for those who felt alone because I'll show them how much you love them. Listen and look. Listen and look. That's what Hebrews would say to us. He says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of that faith that you need to have, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and that now he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him when you are weary. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He has a word for the weary because he was wearied for us. Do you hear me this morning? We don't have a God who just stayed up in heaven and said he loved us. He came to a wearied people and got wearied down there with him so that he had a word that you could understand, that you could receive from yourself He traded praise for slander, and this prince of heaven was called a prince of demons. Peter says he kept entrusting himself to the one who judges rightly. And he showed us that, church, even in the midst of all the trials and tribulation, even in the midst of all this, that there is a way to find the presence and confidence in God. There is a way to find the peace of God in the midst of a weary world. There is a way that he can part those waters like Moses did on the Red Sea and take you by his presence, baptize you in the fire of the Holy Spirit and take you to that promised land. If you'll just believe the word of God by faith that God has sent his son to seek and save the lost, that if you will just believe in him and leave your old ways of thinking and feeling and doing behind, there will be rest for every season you go through. Paul says it perhaps best in Romans chapter 8. For a wearied people, he says, who's going to bring charge against you, God's elect? It's God who justifies. Who is he who's going to condemn you? 
It's Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who's even at the right hand of God, who is also making intercession for us. Who's going to separate you from the love of God, from the love of Christ? Shall it be tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Is it going to be anything that you're going to be wearied with? No, it can't be because why? He took all those things in himself. He took our weariness to give us this word and what is the word that even for your sake father even if we're killed all day long even paul says if even if we're counted as sheep for the slaughter yet in all these things we are what more than conquerors through him who loved us and so Paul says, because this guy who was wearied for me, even if I go through famine and tribulation and distress, even if I'm wearied to the point of giving up and giving in, even if they lead me to the slaughter, he says, I know that I have a God who was wearied for me, and he came down and gave me a word, and that word says this, that even I am persuaded that either not, neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor even things in the present, nor things to come, there is neither nor height, nor depth, nor created things that can separate me and you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you have that word in your soul that it changes you, not just because of what God says, because of what he's done for you, that it gets down deep, that where you get to a place where nothing can affect you. Think about Jesus when he was being punched in the face and punched in the face and plucked his beard out and thorns hammered on his head. He says, I set my face like flint. I know who God has, is and what he's done for me. I know who my father is. He will justify me. If, he kill, if they kill me, he will raise me back up again. And you can have that same word in your life today. That you can go through this weary, worn out, desert place called the earth through the nations and kingdoms of man and say, God is for me. Who can be against me? He was wearied to give you a word. The question is, what do you need today from God? Remember I said at the very beginning, a timely word is precious. A timely word from a friend. Man, there's no greater friend like the lowly Jesus. Remember that? There's no greater friend. And maybe today there are things in your life you could say, if we were just to press pause on life today, and press, we get so busy sometimes, we don't really even know what we're really thinking deep, down deep inside of us. Because I guarantee in the room today there are insecurities. We press pause and begin to examine and open up your heart, begin to look inside. Like the woman at the well who could just keep on going with life if she wanted to. Keep on going, keep on going. I'm weary, but you just keep trucking, keep going, keep trying, keep doing. Ignore the pain, ignore the regret, ignore the sin. Just try to put it back behind you. And Jesus stops her. A wearied Messiah, a wearied Savior, who had taken on flesh and was thirsty, comes to the thirsty soul of a woman and gives her life. There are insecurities. I remember one time, <clears throat> several times in my life, where God has spoken a word. There was one time in, in my ministry where I was at the point of giving up and giving in. And this lady comes up the stairs. We were, I was actually, it was before service. I was the associate pastor at a church in Missouri. And our dear sweet lady, and she comes up to me and she just says, how are you doing? But it wasn't one of those, hey, how are you doing? It was like, no, how are 
you doing? And I'm telling you, it was as the Holy Spirit was asking me that question through that woman. I began to weep because I knew on the inside I wasn't doing too well. Just the other day, it was as if God was speaking through a message I was listening to another pastor podcast in and just, boom, God was saying something as if it was for me through the radio, like through the radio, it just came out. That's a word for you in the right season. And it's not from a pastor in a pulpit or some podcast. It's from his spirit. He knows to give a word that sustains the weary. And when's the last time God gave you a word to the depths of your soul that changed you, that brought you out of darkness and into light? Because if you get alone with God, you'll find he's got the answers that inside of yourself you don't even know you're searching for. He's got it. He knows how to sustain the weary with one word. And if God says live, you'll live. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Worship team, would you come? All across this room, every person in here needs a word from God. We live and breathe. We exist because God said, let there be. You are only here today because of the word of God existing, causing you to be. You'll never get to the promised land of God. You'll never get to experience the glorious inheritance of the saints unless the word of God dwells within you richly. Do you hear me this morning? If you don't understand what I'm saying, at least look at what he did. At least if you don't understand what he's saying, Look at what he did to show you how much he loves you. He became wearied for you so that you don't have to be wearied. You can not live on the things of this world, but live on the word of God. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out from the mouth of God. I hope you understand me this morning. I hope you understand me. It is the word of God alone that brings life and light. And that word of God became manifested into action. That word of God became manifested to do something for you. And he demonstrated it by taking on your weariness in himself to show you how to experience the freedom that he offers you. but you have to receive it by faith. Whether you're in this room for the first time and you've heard this message and you've put it away and you need to make it right with God for the first time today, but many of us in this room, we live this quote-unquote Christian life and we're going through it weary. Church, it should not be. We can be forsaken, tried, shipwrecked, abandoned, counted as sheep for the slaughter. But we don't have to be weary. We don't have to be put out and put down. We don't have to go through this life without joy or peace. Jesus, give us a word today. Holy Spirit, speak into the depths of our hearts this morning for every person who has a place of insecurity, for every person who has a doubt, Lord, that you would tell them that you love them. Maybe you're here today that you need to hear that God's proud of you. Maybe we got ourselves into situations that we're not proud of. 
but God loves you. God wants to restore you. God wants to bring, bring you into closer fellowship. Maybe today there are doubts, there are questions. All those things can be answered in His presence. All those concerns, all those emotional things. Maybe you were abused. Maybe people said awful things about you. Maybe people have done awful things to you. And you need a word of healing today. That He can speak healing in a moment. One word, be healed. One word could be arise. One word could be live. One word could be walk again. There's things that God wants to speak to the dead places of our soul. That God would say, live live what do you need to hear from God today he has a word for you I'm going to ask the team to sing this song just quietly and I need you just to listen and look to Jesus just listen and look Holy Spirit come Holy Spirit come let us hear your voice this morning he has a word he has a word Jesus. These altars are open. If you need to come get alone with God and find a place to pray, you need to sit at your seat, whatever it is, just receive His Word today. He said it and done it. He loves you. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes, God. Holy, holy, holy. You love us. Again. Hallelujah, Lord Jesus. There is 